Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Podcast One has new shows on our new app. Check out all the cool features to help you explore our exciting new programming, like America's Lakers podcast with Jay Moore, Sessions with Randy Jackson, So Random with Corinne Olympios, Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast, Not Just Sports with Susie Schuster and Rich Eisen, and Sound of Success, the Dick Enberg podcast, as well as your old favorites like The Lady Gang, Steve Austin, Shaquille O'Neal, and Adam Carolla. Get the new Podcast One app in the App Store, Google Play, or PodcastOne.com. Podcast One presents Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze, an entertaining behind-the-scenes look at the world of food, where you'll hear from anyone and everyone from the culinary industry, including restaurateurs, TV hosts, celebrity chefs, producers of your favorite cooking shows, and many more. Now, here's your host, Richard Blaze. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Starving for Attention. I'm Richard Blaze. I'm here with Jasmine Blaze, who happens to also be my wife. That's why we share... Uh, a last name? Yeah. It's um, it's a rare one around our parts. What's What do you mean? Blaze is a rare last name. I've run into too many Blazes around Southern California. No, there's others out there, though. Well, and yeah. I mean, in Canada, I there's lots. I didn't in the world, just, you know. Yeah, in Montreal, it's like hood. Smith in the uh, phone book. That's why um, when, when, um, when someone delivered something the other day, they, they asked if I was your wife. Because that's how few Blazes there are around that us. That makes sense. But I'm, I'm also <laughs> one of probably the most popular people with that last name there are there's an author there's a hockey player there's a policeman there's a policeman yes we get on google <laughs> alerts a, a lot because that Ooh. one is usually like giant bar fight it is i also just revealed that we google alert uh richard blaze yeah uh but there's also a mad there's like not not a madman but like someone who gets into a lot of like drunken disorderly stuff no as i well. think that's the policeman oh that's he's the just always quoted in that makes pieces. sense yeah. i thought it was no, just one saying. person yeah no no the googlers pop up and it's like massive bar fight in new haven or wherever they probably pronounce it blay though that's the probably. correct uh french pronunciation when i still love how um i tell you this story i don't know if i've said it on the podcast how st- this happened to me recently in chicago where someone at tsa is like oh i love your brother uh <laughs> you skip Skip Bayless? Yeah, Skip Bayless. And they think you're Rick Bayless? Right. I've and never they, told you the story? I don't think so. I, I tell the story on the road all the time. It's part Maybe of like the stand-up it. routine. So like, I've been at TSA three different times. Someone's looking at my ID. Right. And they're like, oh, how's your brother? Or I love your brother. Skip. You should just say good. I should, but like they're looking at my name and no, like, I get, they I see get, it. I get Bayless sometimes when people pronounce it. It's like the L and the it's A get... The, um, they just, they just, it's, it's just, just a mind easy, thing. Yeah, I don't know why, but I, I do get Bayless a lot. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Especially but in it's Chicago, totally spelled different. Yeah, but it's it's really weird when that happens. Yeah. It also happened in person. Actually, the one of the live shows we did in Minneapolis, it happened. Uh, they so, thought you were Rick Bayless. Yeah, that's weird. They're just like, weird. I love your, I love your Mexican food. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's nice. oh, that's a the tostadas are really nice. He's a, he's a fit gentleman. Yeah, not that you're not, but he's a he's a different type of fit than you yeah they said they love my mexican food though what does it have to do with being fit i'm just saying they, they mistook you for oh Bayless, yeah so I you're guess. saying oh you should that you should be compliment he's like a really fit ned i mean you weren't Flanders. cooking mexican food at the time right no but that's why obviously rick yeah. bayless cooks mexican food. yeah so they looked at you and thought you were rick bayless well, i mean we're both you know pale white guys that's true but he is With like a yoga master yeah, have you ever been on rick bayless's instagram account yeah, he's got a lot of yoga stuff. It's like, yeah, what do they call the inver- inversions? Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Is that did I get that right? Yeah, you got that right. I mean, I'm, I'm impressing you. That's when uh, yoga people do handstands without. Uh, well, when men do it's them without. It's not all handstands, but it no. is the part that men are drawn to in yoga. Apparently. Yeah, he and he has a lot of topless shots like that, like levitating. You know, what's that pose where it looks like you're levitating? <laughs> oh yeah, okay. You know what I'm talking about, yeah. right? Anyway, uh, if you're if you want to just check out a fun uh, chef Instagram account, go find uh, Rick yeah. Bayless. It's always good. Yeah. And Salt Bay, which everyone knows on this podcast. Yeah. I just I, I said Salt Bay and Bayless at the same time because that was part of Salt my uh, the James Beard. Is that yeah. It? yeah. The joke. I remember it. Yeah, Salt Bay. No, I Bay don't. I forgot it list. completely. What is it? Oh, yeah. Got yeah, it. Yeah, Salt Bay list. Yeah. Pretty that, good. Yeah. Salt Bay just opened up a restaurant in Miami. That's if not you, surprising. It's not. It's, you know what? It's, <laughs> it's, it's not surprising at all. That I would not be surprised if anyone opened a restaurant in Miami. Miami, yeah. Vegas, Salt yeah. Bay, uh, yeah. it, it, hysteria is right. taking exactly. over. Right, exactly. I also, he's well, I told you. I told you to jump on that train, like, what, 10 months ago? On the Salt least. Bay Maybe train? Maybe even a year ago. Yeah. He's amazing. I yeah. love him. I like how there's some chefs. The I won't for call attention. him out. He's but, been on the starving for attention radar for a year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because you're good. You you curate like we, undercover we talent. Yeah. Like you were. You knew about Salt Bay before he had like a million followers, which is impressive. Right. Uh, I like how there was a lot of chefs we won't name who they are. Who they are? Our friend Eli. He <laughs> 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 was like, he doesn't know how to butcher meat. <laughs> like hating on Salt Bay, who's got like three million followers yeah, and well, uh, you know I is mean, in hip hop videos. He's well, different aspirations. Maybe, True. Right? Speaking of hip hop videos, yeah. weird thing that's happened this last week. I'm in a photograph on Killer Mike's Instagram page. Well, um, are you though? I don't know. This is. I think this has become kind of like a Twilight Zone um, episode in our own house because it could be you. It looks like me, but there are parts of it. Like, namely the headphones that no one can account for. I don't have those headphones. No. And the person with, you know, he's covering whoever this person is, whether it's you or another person, is covering like a third of his face with his hand. It does look like me, though. You do that pose. I do that pose. I'm in but a seat that be, I might be, economy comfort. He could be covering <laughs> on up. an airplane. Yeah. <laughs> not quite first class, but not in the back. Is Killer Mike in the, in, not in first class? No, either. Killer Mike is in first, it looks like it's first class. First of all, let's back up I'm because not we're sure probably confusing this. people. Killer yeah. Mike is a hip hop artist, super famous probably in Atlanta. Out of Atlanta, yeah. Uh, and some someone tagged me in a photo this weekend, and is like, "Look, Richard Blaze is in the background," and it's a photo of Killer Mike and some other dude, and like a couple seats behind him on this plane looks like me. I still think someone photoshopped that in there. Why would you photoshop <laughs> on Killer Mike's Instagram page who has you know me in the background? I don't know. So, okay, that's so listen. The, that's the weird part. Um, I don't know how how many people on our in our following are are into hip hop or know Killer Mike, but if you go find Killer Mike, find this picture. He's on an airplane with a dude a with like a big afro. Seats. I think the dude's name is Afro Man, perhaps. That could be it. And it's like it looks like a plane that's just starting to board. And yeah, it's pretty empty. Then behind him is this dude that uh, might be me, but it might be an old picture. It's but it was just posted a couple of days ago. It's a mystery. It's the Matrix. It's the Matrix. Just, it's cracking. I mean, you know the theory. It's, uh, it's cracking at the seams. That's right. We're about to, Cats it's all, and dogs. It's about to explode. It's just, yeah. It did come out on the day that Michael Flynn was indicted. Like, this could just be right, the crack in the Matrix. Yeah. Something's wrong with our robotic mothers. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> go on to the Killer This Mike. is a new podcast that we can start. If I, I like it, yeah. <laughs> um, go over to the page, though. We, we could use you to weigh in on this. And then go on to the Starving for Pod Instagram account and let us know if you think that that actually is me. Richard Blaze. You have to put up a um, photo bomb. What is that? A, uh, the Killer Mike a, page. Uh, a, uh, what's it called? A survey. A survey. We'll yeah. poll it. We yeah. should. That'll yeah. be great. We can poll survey. Yeah. 
speaking of hip-hop, kind of a fun little segue into this uh, pod episode because uh, we recorded this pod episode in Uptown New York. Yeah. Maybe some people would argue the birthplace of hip-hop. Actually, no one would really argue that. Right, yeah. And let, you'd have to really say well, that Uptown was the Bronx because it's really the Bronx versus Queensbridge. Okay. Uh, and Harlem is not quite the, as far uptown as the Bronx. But anyway, we what recorded it. What's that? What about L.A.? We, what do you mean? What about LA? Are you just like throwing out I'm like just some like weird West Coast East Coast? Is this no, re- you're really going Matrix? Hip hop did not start in the West Coast. Okay. Even even people on the West Coast <laughs> didn't claim are, to start it. Are not gonna yeah do not claim to. I'm not that say. old, so I wasn't around. You're not that beginning. old. I like that um, because someone probably who's listening said, "Well, what about well, what about LA? Yeah, exactly. Right? You'd be like Tupac. What about Cleveland? Bone Thugs and Harmony. Yeah. No, it's, oh, well, no one says that. No one, no one's going to say that. No. Uh, but anyway, we're up in Harlem, uptown at Marcus Samuelson's headquarters, and I say that with emphasis because I'm super jelly. I want headquarters, I, and, and and like not in the closet. We're we're still, by the way, like from last week. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're still in the closet. We're not still. We left. We did leave. Yeah, we left. As a we matter of fact, back. I traveled to New York and came back. Right. Yeah. We're but just we're just back. We're just doing opens because we're lazy, mostly. And we're just doing opens in our closet. That's just kind of how it works out. But I'm super jealous. I got to go meet Marcus Samuelson. At first, we were going to record the episode at his restaurant, Red Rooster. Uh, They had some sort of event going on there. So then we went to his headquarters. The only thing that would have been better if we went to his house. How big was his headquarters? Uh, Two floors, at least. I mean, I didn't see all of it. Um, There was like a little dining area, a little R&D section, a bunch of like offices and like sort of cubicles. Pretty legit, though. Enough yeah. to make me, like, you know, again, get jealous that, like, I wish I was at the level that Marcus Samuelson's at. All right. Keep working. Exactly. One day we'll get out of this closet, Jasmine, and okay. we'll have an office somewhere with other people that work with us. Maybe. What do you think? I don't know. It might happen. Might uh, but it was a lot of fun. You you love Marcus. Oh, yeah. He's Everyone. Great. He's so nice. Kind of loves Marcus. Yeah, you have to. Uh, and, I mean, I he's been uh, important to me because I, I, one of the first meals that I had that really sort of set me off on the creative food uh, angle was at Aquavie when I was super, super young. That was, uh, you know, sort of fine dining Scandinavian-ish restaurant that used a lot of global influences in New York City. Uh, Marcus went on to do many different things, uh, including uh, being an amazing television personality. Uh, And then, after opening many restaurants, having a a, a bunch of success, a little bit of failure, one of our first dates, didn't we go eat at his... um, Oh, yeah. um, I forget the name of it. Market? It Uh, might have... I don't uh, think it was called Market, but it was a... It 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 was was his African restaurant with, like, lots of, like, flatbreads and, um, like... Mm, uh, It started with an M, for sure. Yeah, it was it was in the meatpacking district. It was near yeah. Spice Market, so that's probably uh, where you're getting that yeah, from. Maybe. Uh, it was short lived. Unfortunately, the food was delicious, but it was like Something one of our first dates. Table. If you remember the name of the Marcus we'll Samuelson, um, big but it's high volume defunct uh, now. Or yeah, it, yeah, it's been. Right? Def- okay. It's been. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like I think right after we left, no, it closed. No, we were there. Like we didn't know what to. We didn't know how right to eat the, the the injera, and uh, it closed right after that. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, he's he's just incredible. Uh, we were lucky enough to sit down with him, uh, and we got to talk about you know what he's doing now, which is he's opening restaurants. He just opened one up in uh, Newark, New Jersey, and then of course Red Rooster is in Harlem, which like you know at the time that Marcus opened up that restaurant, no celebrity chefs were really 
focusing on neighborhoods right. like Harlem that were sort of out of Midtown. I mean, this yeah. was really before even sort of like the boom of Brooklyn. Right. Um, so it made, you know, to a lot of people, no sense. But he goes up there and really sort of, um, you know, sort of re-energizes what is this sort of classic artistic community. Um, I mean, the Apollo's up there and yeah. jazz. There's always been, you know, known for great food, soul food up there. And he sort of does this sort of modern version with Red Rooster of like Americana sort of soul food. And he's just crushing it. He's just been killing the game. Uh, and now he's opened up a restaurant in Newark. We get into the podcast talking a lot about sort of, um, you know, what it takes to want to do something like that because it's pretty risky. Uh, and it, it, it's pretty obvious in the podcast, not to spoil it, uh, that he's just a really great guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just literally a teacher and a mentor and that although these are businesses, it's really all about community, uh, giving back yeah. um, and inspiring people who may not have had you know, the opportunity to, one, eat that type of food or, two, work in restaurants that produce that type of food. Uh, I love Marcus Samuelson before this podcast, uh, and I love him even more after this. Uh, anyway, uh, the episode is Marcus Samuelson at uh, Marcus Samuelson headquarters in Harlem, New York. You're going to love this one, Jasmine. I can't wait. Yeah, I think you will love it too. Enjoy. We invite them for our opening piece of each. Be smart about it. Look at that. We're going to like real life. Like just getting into real life right off the bat. Um, You're a friend. So we can talk. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's perfect. Yeah. No, we had a, we had, you know how it is. You have shrimp issues. I have issues every day. Yes. Thank you. Welcome I mean, right? Isn't, isn't that what it is? But I don't have, um, I don't have a headquarters here. You so you're like, like, I know how this that's is. That's live on, Ju- on, uh, on your beautiful restaurant. Well, Ju- Ju- uh, June. Yeah, Juniper, Juniper and Ivy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we have beautiful restaurants. Yeah. Are you really doing this? Or yeah. We, We're eating. Marcus Anderson oh. is really serving me yeah. some of uh, Red Rooster's finest right yes. now. Yes. We just opened in Newark uh, a week ago. That's what I heard. Congratulations. Thank you. And so so how many locations is this now? Uh, no, we just have one in Newark. <laughs> Just one. Uh, right, this is right. this is B Yeah. So it's been a great opening. Thank you, Chef. It's like Newark is really coming out. Like people are coming out. Do you, do, now, do you think that that's um, sort of? I mean, you're up here in Harlem. You're yeah. uptown. Yeah. But is it is it just because people want good food everywhere? So like the, the 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 radius is changing for restaurants, or is it is it some of it also just a is it a, is it a real estate thing or no? I think I think Richard, I think that Blazer, I think that people see us that we're trying to do. We're cooking. We're making all our pastas. We're making all of our doughs. We're making everything there. It's mm-hmm. handmade craftsmanship. Realize keeps in the bar. Like we're just bringing a big city restaurant to Newark. Right, right, and they see the amount of labor and the amount of effort it takes, and they're not being cheapened. There's a lot of things in in communities that are in the community, but they're not out of the community. Right, and they, we work with hydroponics. Like it's it's, you know, it's a it's a big it's a big deal, right? For us, we think it's a big deal. Sure. And New York is such an incredible community, so they see that. You know, part of it is the Iron Bond is Portuguese and Galician, and you know. We sell more salted cod. Oh, I like that. You know, so, every, they eat so, like, the, the, my Portuguese guys are coming from the Iron Bound, like, I'm just coming in for the salted cod, man. What are you doing? So we did a salted cod souffle yesterday, and they right. love that. Then you have, you know, the Italian-American community, like, I'm here for the pie. Right. Give me the pie. 
And then you have other people like... A great Italian-American accent, by the way. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I think they just see that that this is the menu that reflects them. It doesn't make sense under the word fine dining and the labels that you and I come from. Right. It's delicious, and they see the effort artistically wise. So I love this. So when you're opening a new restaurant, and it seems like you did this with uh, B&P, is you sort of survey the community a little bit. Yeah. And then you sort of start developing really what the concept is. Yeah. Because you could at this point, you could just be like, no, it's Marcus Samuelson. No. This is what I do. No. And you have to eat this food. No. But you sort of make it a part of of the area. Which we we did. Like my restaurant's in Little Italy. Yeah. So we pay homage to yeah. Little Italy. We have some pasta dishes where, you know, you could throw a rock into Mexico from one of my restaurants. Yeah. So like part of the menu is a little bit Mexican. And that you think that that makes it just a little bit more authentic. I, I think chefs like myself and you and then we can take a bunch of us, right? We've been exposed to so much. We're so far different than we thought when we would start, right? Right. And I, I operate on, like, I owe that groundwork to the community coming in. It's not coming in and presenting our food and that's the way it is. Maybe that was an 80s or 90s model. I think it's much more organic today. Right. Like, hear us, see us, you know, and we come and taste you. But you also, you make that connection because Absolutely. now, okay, you... You certainly know a lot about Scandinavian cuisine. Yes. So when I hear salted cod, yeah, like I'm assuming that 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 so that's not like oh that's not an ingredient even though it's a Portuguese population. It, and no, salted fish from, and preserved fish is something that you're familiar with as a chef. But it comes from the cabalhau and from the Portuguese community, right? And, and bacalhau and all of that stuff, the Pirapiris, the African influences. So you know, you know that when you open, people are like oh you open a restaurant. No, it was four years. It's like a book. It's four years, three years. Right. Right. It's, I remember being in Newark at 8 o'clock on a Monday, 2013. It's like, hmm, how's this going to work? Right. Then coming back six months later, going eating in one of those, in in Paco, in a Spanish restaurant. That is, and it's, when I tell you this is mom and pop restaurant. Right. Mom is making the cookies. Pops is making the chorizo. You know, the son is at the bar. And for me, that's fine dining. You're sure. in yeah. the Iron Bound in Newark. You're eating at Paco. Right. Like, they wouldn't even, they just do the food from Spain. And then, you know, when you're in the Iron Bound, you see soccer shirts versus football shirts. Like, so you're in a different part of the world. Right. Right. 20 minutes from New York City. You're more in Queens than you're in Manhattan. You know what I mean? Sure. So, after doing this for years and eating at the Portuguese food, uh, seafood restaurant and the, you know, out of that comes an experience where you have to honor that our way. Right. right? Not better, not anything else, but we're trying. And then we have to add the bells and whistles that we have, right? All right, we can work with air farms and so our vegetables and then our salads can be better. All right, we can, we can add this. This is another muscle to go throw at it, right? How much of your uh, process is actually built on sort of, you know, presenting in, in, in a, a perhaps underserved restaurant community, especially when we start talking about celebrity chefs, mm-hmm. right? Like, how, how important is that to you? Like, I, I, we don't have to cover the what you've done for Harlem or how you no. sort of, the energy that you brought no, uptown. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate but that, that is something that you did. Yeah. When, when there weren't, um, yeah. you know, and there, there still probably aren't enough celebrity chefs, you know, opening up restaurants uptown. Newark reminds me of a similar sort yeah. of situation. Well, one of the blessings, I mean, we all have different backgrounds, right? And um, one of the blessings of being a black man is that you, if you learn how to process being constantly shut, shut out and different, if you learn how to process that, 
and create something positive. Right. And you process that truly in a, you can be bitter and angry when you do it, as not just black men are, as all right, of us right. are, <laughs> but that's yes. But that's the process that I come from, right? Whether, whether I was shut down, didn't get the job in France. Well, guess what? Maybe you didn't get the job in France either. Right, you know right. what I mean? So it doesn't, it's not a, a racial component in every step of the but it's the process and the tribal essence where I come from is that you start to look at the world from an outside in view sure and once you come to an opportunity and start and say well I'm, I'm part of it now and I actually have an opportunity to, to change that right then you process just as a little bit different just as you know, we both came up at a time where you saw no women in the kitchen and you saw very little people of, of color in the kitchen. And I'm talking Asian, I'm talking, you know, all sure. of them. Sure, yeah. So for I the, think they were all French. Yeah. Frenchmen. <laughs> and they were angry all the <laughs> right, time. Right, right. So rather than being upset and walking around like, around this, it's like, okay, how do I make that delicious? Right. How do I make delicious out of that? How, how, how important is you to be a mentor? Because I also think yeah. one of the things, I get to see you on the circuit. Yeah. And I, I see the team that you travel with. Mm. I just had, you know, I've just interacted with four or five of your team members here. D was amazing. Like, how, how important is it for you to be a mentor to your team? Well, first of all, I think it, it's the word chef comes out of that. Oh, okay. That's the, the, the part of being a chef. It's a leader. My father was a... My Ethiopian dad was a tribe leader in Ethiopia, and my father was a fisherman in Sweden that became a geologist, so he was the first person to go to college in his, in his village. Right. So, in Sweden, this is in Sweden, you don't think about Sweden as a poor nation. Right. He grew up in a very poor time, so my dad was a tribe leader in Sweden because he had a profession. Right. So he, you know, he wasn't a lawyer, but he had to read papers for people. You know, I, was, I grew up in that, that. My dad, when we came back to the village... We did shit for the community. We made sure that the person who did not have fish had fish. We made sure that the person needed something to be read. And I came up through that. 11, 10, 12, 14. You know, just... So just na- it's natural for you. So, and I think the other thing to that, Richard, is that I would not be here without amazing mentors. And there were... There were but you it, don't need to be, though. So, like, here's the interesting thing yeah. about you. It's like, you kind of... You made it, Right. So, like, I mean, it's just, it's a different... I mean, not everyone has that amazing outlook that you have. I remember running... I remember being with you in Aspen, like, yeah. many years ago and spending literally probably no more than two or three minutes with you at a bar somewhere. And you were kind of like, you know, you kind of let me know that I was in the, I was in the club, right? Yeah. At a moment where, like, you know, you're a celebrity. I'm just trying to still make it. But... And even more so, you know, five years ago. But, like, you have a way about you that's sort of like a welcoming, like, yeah, like, join the club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you kind of paid your dues. Yeah. Uh, welcome. Amazing. Uh, no, but I'm just saying, like, how do you, like, that, that's something that you just have or you don't have. And you're saying that it's one part genetic, one part just sort of up. Well, it, it, it's, it's a recipe like anything else. Like, you're made of a recipe. You, you could have stayed, but you didn't choose to eat the right way out. You moved your family in the middle of... You get up from one part of the America to another part. Of Some of it's just adventure. Yeah, you know, I just like new. Cool. I like new things. But that's you know? cool, and that's my point. Like we our get up, what drives us can and should be very different. But so, and that's what makes our food journey so different. But I, I do think the other part of that that has nothing to do about being the blessings of coming from Africa is also being an immigrant. Mm-hmm. Waking up when you're 13, 14 and just thinking about cool shit in America, whether it was Converse, whether it was a Prince video, whether it was, you know, you know, there was no cable, so maybe like getting a tidbit of 
bird, you know, fighting against Larry, uh, uh, Magic. Magic bird and yeah. convert. Look at that. All <laughs> of that, that throwback. That, that right. America, for me, this is why, you know, li- you know, listening to music and trying to understand everything that I associated with cool right. was in America. Sure. And, you know, it, it could be kiss it could be it could be anything it was just like this is what is that place so going there as a child coming to america as a child was always like it was so cool isn't it weird that you can find that inspiration from something that you yeah don't because like i'm in this you can't see me because it's a radio thing but i'm in like this hat is to try to impress you Mark. Yeah, so no, i'm in a, a big scandinavian winter yeah. hat no you're doing um, and doing. like you're like I'm super envious of like your story. Yeah. But you're saying like okay, well, growing up in Sweden, like yeah, all I wanted to do was yeah. uh, be Will Smith and wear Converse exactly. and yeah. you know play with Larry and Magic. Yeah. You know one thing I don't have the recipe for that you seem yeah. to have the recipe for. Yeah. No, you do have the recipe for fashion. <laughs> what well, is go- first? I mean, you're uh, just to paint the picture here. <laughs> it is a oh, button-up shirt with butterflies, but not just like one or two. <laughs> it's like straight from the, the, oh, really? the history of the gym. No, I mean, you're, you're everyone knows. I mean, yeah, I don't yeah, even yeah. really have to say yeah, it too yeah. much. I mean, I like, you also have a camouflage tie on. I'm just yeah. saying, like, where does the fashion like recipe? Come I like your shoe game today, though. Well, your shoe right? game is tight. Oh, I up for animal print shoes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even see the shoes. How do you? Where does that? Where does that come from? Like, I, I mean, you know, because you do it well. Yeah, it's a, it's I, a thing. It comes from uh, growing up with two sisters that constantly. I was the youngest. Constantly beaten up by them in a fun way, and dressed up as a girl. I mean, that, that was their fun. It was like, okay, we're gonna put Marcus in in skirts and 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 you know ponytails. And then mom, always knowing, you know, growing up as kids, being the only black family, not only in the block but probably in the in the city. Mm-hmm. It was mayhem when we just went to the convenience store. Okay, it was mayhem. So my mom's like. The hair has to be right. This has to be right. Because just going to getting milk. Right. Was what was the, wait, what was the mayhem? What, what touching is, hair. Right. Looking okay. at the skin. Touching. Right. Okay, just the process of going like out to shop. 1978 right. in Gothenburg. <laughs> yes, yes. There's like the white top mom, the two little, three little black kids, mom paranoid. Uh, First of all, this, I mean, that's, that's I mean, that's, it's a Swedish sitcom. Right? Yes. Like, like, <laughs> the mom's super paranoid, right? You're just going shopping for school. Yeah, okay. grabbing me here because she's like the other, the other my sisters were older so they're like don't touch me like we got our own and right and and just getting getting milk was a get up right but what's so I mean but you weren't getting butterfly button up shirts or were you when you well were i also passed downs right got and it. having two older sisters so it was it was a lot of colors it was a lot of stuff and my mom gave up after the second kid she gave up of fixing the hair right you know having essence or whatever was sent from london here and my sisters you know doing their hair so my hair is like just put a hat on Got it. Always in a screaming note. So, we gotta go. Okay, so basically it was like uh, through improv <laughs> yes. and panic. Yes. The, a fashion icon was... Isn't born. all good thing from improv and panic, though? I like, think it is. It no, is. I, mean, I, I mean, this is something that just as a chef through cooking on yeah. competition. Yes. It's like sometimes when you're forced to do something in 10 minutes, right. that's when a real idea happens. Or whether it's, you know, hip-hop or jazz or whatever, sometimes the improv of a moment... Uh, can create something. So it created your amazing fashion sense. But now, do you, do you ever just want to throw on like a white t-shirt and jeans? Because like, I feel like, I, but I feel like I've never seen like in public. I, don't, I feel like I've never seen you in just like a non-pattern. I think I've never. Honestly, I'm gonna say something that sounds crazy. Crazy. I never think about how I dress. Not one second. My shit is everywhere. Right. Only different now between 1978. It's my house, so I can put the stuff everywhere. Right. Um, 
And my wife's like, can you please pick that up? We have a son now. Can you please? I don't want him to. So that's when I'm like, okay, let's pick it up. There you go. So I mean, we're going to have to do like a follow-up video. Yeah. <laughs> we got to get in your closet too. Because like, for example, okay, so you can't wear... I mean, when can you wear that shirt again? Like, I mean, everyone, like, now that I know, I can't see that shirt oh again for God. a couple of days. Like, pressure, so, like, does it go in the back of the closet? And you're like, I can wear this in X amount of days? No, or how- there's no process <laughs> to it. It's like, let's, let's lit up, you know, Richard's coming to town. When is the, uh, when is the uh, MS, the Marcus Samuelson clothing line? Is that something that's working? Uh, it's not right It now. should be it's working. Like, we should know, collaborate. You me up like I was beating my guy up because the shrimp wasn't right that's in true. Newark. That's true. That's where I'm coming off. I'm right. like, I can't, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep because of this shrimp pancake. Shrimp, shrimp. It's like what? What I is? Ta- can you, I mean, can you take us inside? Of, like with this one? By the way, yeah. it's probably also a very small thing. Yeah, in no, the big it's picture, not. it's not. But you know, yes, it is. But you can't. I can't separate it from. It is the biggest thing in that restaurant right, right now. Yes. Because if we deal with it in any other way, everything's going to slip slip to the wayside. Right. And so we're in Newark, and we had to be an amazing service last night. But the shrimp and grits just didn't eat right, and you're and I can tell by your face right now you're yeah. like rubbing your temple like yeah, this, this concerns you yeah it's like, like this is on your mind throughout yeah. the night you woke up be, in the middle of the night thinking and we'd about be thinking this. about that we call it P and G right we mm-hmm. we call it where the I wrote the dish based on an Italian guy marrying this incredible black chick from Newark. Wait, this is a dish? Yeah. So this is how you're creating a yeah. dish. You're, you're writing a script yeah. for a story yeah. of a fictitious person who created this. Yeah, but it's also about... Um, you're blowing in, my mind. It's really right about integration and diversity. Sure. And that's when you and I, if we would do this in Newark or in Harlem, mm-hmm. you would see that. Not just, you know, not, it's not like Jungle Fever Spike Lee. It's real. It's people. It's relationship. It's how they live and how they eat. So this dish, it is shrimp and grits. Nothing... You know, it's an African dish in its core, right? It grits. It's called pop in South Africa. It's right. called ugali in Kenya, and it came to us through West Africa, and uh, it's known here as grits, right? That's not the issue, but the PNG on it is really where the polenta. We treat it like it's polenta and grits combined. Okay. Right. So. We, so it's a it's is it sort of um it's a stubborn Italian guy who doesn't yes. want to let go of polenta, yeah. even though grits and polenta yeah. are basically the same. And then we do it. The the, the ish in there is actually the right. We we use broken West African rice mm-hmm. as one part, and then we use traditional polenta as another part. So it eats very specific. It eats a little grimy, a little right. dirty. Sure. So I like that. So actually, this grits is the same. It's actually the same. So it's you, absolutely it, delicious. It eats very different, right? Right. So uh, go in there, and yeah. so, so, and I don't necessarily want you as a um, customer to know what that is coming from. I just want you to be like waking up at work one day and be like, F- "That grits I had last night." <laughs> mm. Right. I can't like stop thinking about. Yeah, it. Yeah, you don't have to understand. So now, if the guest is in the restaurant and they're like, yeah. and, they're, and they have that emotion, yeah. they're like, "This is amazing." If they ask the server mm-hmm. about the dish, now, do you want that server to tell that story, or this is just something it's too, that's internal? It's too, it's too deep, you know. So I'm like, just just throw it up. I'm like, no, yeah, grits are great, huh? I would, but I would want to be like, hey, this is great, and I would want the server. Yeah. You're not going to believe. This. Yeah, but we, but Marcus has wrote this script for this family, and but this is an Italian also, guy. But it's very layered, and we're not there yet. Right. And that uh, we are not there yet in technicalities of giving that much information. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Well, again, it would have to be something that would be yeah. asked. Yeah. Because I fell victim to this as a young chef where, again, with the technology, a lot of people think that I'm a sort of weird science chef. And, like, I would put things on the menu, like, cook three days yeah. at 60 degrees <laughs> Celsius. And, like, why are you even cooking? No, they're actually. Because I'm an asshole. Yeah, right. yeah, um, 
Uh, but so, but to have that, to have that sort of backup, like knowledge yeah. in someone's back pocket, to yeah. throw a shout out to the restaurant yeah. as well, um, is kind of neat to have that story. What do you think about? I mean, you might really like this. Now, this is totally off the cuff, but I love that there are some restaurants now that are sort of putting themselves in a time and a place, mm-hmm. right? So, like, oh, this is an Italian restaurant in New York, but from 1973. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you feel that now that I know you're writing scripts yeah. for dishes? Yeah. How do you feel about looking at restaurants through the lens of like? Like history, like okay, yeah, this is from this one period. Yeah. We're only gonna utilize foods or you know create this thing that existed at this one moment, yeah. or even the future, right? I mean, there's some chefs. Who yeah, are I want to answer that just by going back to the shrimp and grits again. That's how stubborn I am about that. Yeah. Right? So on top of the shrimp and grits, we put in this fermented shrimp paste on top of it. Okay, where's that from? By the Senegal way? also, where the grits actually traditionally come Ooh, from. Okay. So there's a lot of funk there, right? There's a lot of fermentation yeah. that you may or may not ever responded to in your life. And that's where that, where is this dish coming from? That's that. That's also might be where we lose some guests. I'm like, I don't like it at all. I like my grandma's shrimp and grits better. Right. right. And I'm okay with that. Okay. And that's the dialogue that we're trying to have there. So when it then came to picking the protein, which should be the easiest part of the process... Right, because and, traditionally yeah, it's yeah. shrimp and grits. And then when we don't succeed on that, that gets me furious. Right, and then and not succeeding. This was just I, I I caught a little bit of the conversation. Yeah. This was just how the shrimp was. It's too of, big. It's too big, and and we were thinking, you know, we grill it beautifully, and then we just baste it in this fermented butter, so it eats really really well. But somehow with the grits it doesn't. So I'm like, this is a great prawn. This is a great shrimp, but. For a ceviche dish, for in a different, it wasn't coming together. It wasn't, wasn't coming together, and um, you know, it's like one thing as chefs to think about a dish, cook it, cook it at a tasting, cook it at a pop up, go through it many times. But once you sit in that seat, right, and eat it from a customer point of view, the dish changes kind of way, you know. And we don't want well, you that have to do that, right? Yes, you have. So to this do is that. something that, like, I think young chefs because I have chefs that are just so talented, yeah. but they don't come into the restaurant at all, sort of as a guest. And you learn a thousand things by just sitting in your own restaurant. Yeah. It's, it's also really hard. I, it do, is. Do you do it well? No. I I, I, I mean, you want to get up, right? My want... setup yesterday was um, I ate at three different spots, but I eat it, you know, I don't eat a dish. Like, you know, I eat a taste, and then I go outside the restaurant and eat it and do staff meeting at the same time. Or right, do you know yeah, what I exactly. mean? Like, it's like right. four different things going on at the same time. But I did... Um, you know, that's one thing that we learned on the journey, right? That before we did them in the head and we did the dishes and they looked beautiful and were good, we don't eat them enough. And that's a good process to learn. Um, but listen, we're looking to buy a new car. And uh, when you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure that you're getting real pricing on actual inventory. Unfortunately, a lot of times this isn't the case. I mean, people configure cars online only later to find out they're not actually available. With True Car. You get real pricing on actual inventory. This is not pricing offered by TrueCar, but pricing from an actual dealer. And not just any dealer, but a TrueCar certified dealer. This is a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you a competitive market price. I love the word transparency. Uh, Using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. Next, TrueCar will show you what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for now. And now you know what a fair price is so you can feel confident. Over 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. There are over 13,000 TrueCar Certified Dealers nationwide. You'll work directly with a TrueCar Certified Dealer contact. 
TrueCar users are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with TrueCar certified dealers. I hope our buying process is very fast. TrueCar users save an average of over $3,000 off of market price. Uh, Listen, once you register, you'll see a real price on actual inventory. It's competitive pricing offered to you only by a TrueCar certified dealer for an actual vehicle on their lot. It's pricing you'll see before going into a dealership so you can feel confident when you show up. TrueCar shows their customer all of their available incentives before they arrive at the dealership. So when you're ready to buy, like I am, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Uh, And listen, some features are not available in all states. Everybody, it's Heather Dubrow. Come join me for Heather Dubrow's World exclusively on Podcast One. We have so many fun conversations and great guests. Recently, Corinne Olympios from The Bachelor was here. Suzanne Summers, Matt Eisman, Tamara Judge, my buddy, was here. All kinds of really fun. Randy Jackson, Kellen Lutz. I didn't let him bite me. Join me every Friday on PodcastOne.com, the new Podcast One app, and subscribe to Apple Podcasts. You're listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. When you were talking to your chef, it, it started, this is going to be, it's going to turn into a little bit of a therapy session for me. So now I'm looking to you for some sort yeah. of, uh, uh, a little bit of consultation or a little guidance. How do you deal with the fact that you are super busy, mm-hmm. you do a ton of TV, you're writing books, you're mm-hmm. traveling the world, literally for you. Yeah. Um, you're, you can't be in every restaurant all the time, but you grew up knowing that like you were on that stove for, yeah. you know. 27 hours in a day right how do you I always have this issue where it's like man you know I'm working just as hard but it's it's really tough to convey that work ethic to a chef that doesn't see me every day standing next to me you seem to do it really well you got any advice well well, I I think first of all every chef young or age doesn't matter they want to work for something and for somebody. They don't walk. They don't work for four walls. That doesn't interest any chef. That's why not your chef. You, you, you kind of want chef to walk in and part smack you over the head, but also part be like, "Hey, man, you, that was really great." You know, right? It can't just be boom. You don't do it. What's, what's the percent? What's the mix? Is it? Is it? Well, I'm old school, so I'm probably in the eighty twenty on the wrong side. <laughs> And I would like to be in the 50-50 side. So 80% kicking the ass, 20% Well, it's not kicking the ass. It's right. like, we can do better. Mm-hmm. We, and the, our, our customer deserves better, and our staff deserves better. Right. So we can do better. So as leaders, it's not our job to uh, complain. It's like, all right, let's commit. Let's right. commit. We're in this. We're in the pit together. And that could be Stockholm, London. Uh, Newark or Harlem like it doesn't matter I love that your restaurants are in Stockholm, London Newark and Harlem <laughs> Newark, no. that's a good I mean, no, like, yeah. I mean just the diversity of yeah. cities is kind of amazing but that that get up we're in this shit we're in this together like, right we're and you so know, do, your, do any of your team they want to be Marcus Samuelson though right some of them I, how do you determine that I, I, I don't I want them to test their talent to the furthest and I right. would say that our success is when you open across the street from me and we go at it right we succeeded together. What about teaching them to be... So, like, you have executive chefs. Mm-hmm. You have people that are also getting the shine from yeah. the, their heart, yeah. deservedly. Yeah. Um, do you do any mentoring with them on how to you do an interview, on yeah. how to be in front of a camera? Like, is, are, are these things they're, that... There are very different stages. We have a, we have a young woman. Um, she's in her 50s, and she worked me from day one here in Harlem, and she's the youngest member. Her commitment to excellence and her commitment to usefulness uh, she's a retired army okay and P- she just perfect came, for the kitchen and she just right. 
came to Red Rooster from day one. So we now, she's starting to blow up a little bit now. Oh, So well, we kind of oh. like have to like, she's going to be on chop, she's going to do all this stuff. Yeah. But her rhythm, she her work ethic, I didn't have to teach her work ethic. Sure, she sure. She got that. Okay. I didn't know take, to teach her how to take a risk. Do you know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. more in the hands cooking, actually. So she needs a level of next step teaching. Right. But, so, but we're talking about presentation media, like, like stuff just, like that? I don't, you know, uh, first of all, she's incredible, so I don't sure. want to edit her, so keep that. Oh, no, of but course. But then, also, it's a little bit about um, time, place, reference, because she came to food pretty late. Right. So, like, let's do the homework on, there was a real, there's a path and plan that was done to American food, so, like, look at the Jeremiah Tower film. Mm, you know? What did you think? I just yeah. covered it on the podcast. Ama- amazing. Amazing. It was. Amazing. So then we have a young chef on the other part of it that her name is Leigh. She's 22. Grew up Queensbridge in the hood. Uh, amazing skills. Like, Crazy yeah. skills. Queensbridge, the yeah. birth of hip hop. Yeah, some, would, some would say. Maybe some would say. Not. not anyone in yeah. the Bronx would say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. But so I'm like, all right, you need. So she came with me to Sweden and London to, to work with my guys, and because she, she'd never been nowhere, right? Right. So that's a different level of, so like, you know, when you come to Stockholm and you have guys operating on this level, and she's, she, she's, she's, she's from Queen's Bridge, she punched you. Right. She punched the gym, yeah. like, right. <laughs> don't need to get off my cutting board. Yeah. Poof. Sure. That's her response. Right. So I'm like, mm, get it, but maybe not, maybe not here now. <laughs> right. You're, you're at an 11-5. Yeah. yeah. You need to be at like a 4-5. Yeah. yeah. But like, again, it, it's, uh, but it's also on that journey. So it's different. It's very, very different. And, uh, but I, they're all in there. We're in, we're, we're a pack. We're like our chances. We're imperfect. What's the vibe in a, in a Marcus Angelson kitchen? Knowing that we're both sort of, I think, yeah. over the whole traditional, even though you say you're yeah. old school. Yeah, it's, um, it's, I would say. Music? Music in the kitchen? Music in the kitchen. During prep or uh, during service? Not during service, during okay. prep. Okay. We, can't, we can't handle during service. We, right. we tried that. We tried to be cool. Same here. It's there. I have, yeah. the, I have the switch, yeah. but things have to be going really, really but well. But then, then again, I have bands coming into my restaurant. You know, five days a week. Right. So during staff meal, you have a five or seven piece jazz band or hip hop band setting up. So they're getting a dose of that. Yeah. That is. So incredible. they're also getting sort of that. Um, you know, they're going on chop some of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they understand, like, oh no, yeah. you have to going to do this, but you might have to be on an island, and there's going to yes. be a band playing next to you. And you yeah. have No ingredients. So. But what what the other thing that we contribute a lot to is diversity, right? Like I have Swedish cooks coming to New York, and I have you know Harlem cooks going to London and, and Stockholm. So. There's always this tension of, I'm next, I'm next, I'm going. And, you know, we, we give those passports out when we think it's the right time. Can I work for you? <laughs> so I'm now, gonna stop now our big thing is we're doing a dinner, dinner with Massimo in, in, in spring. Sure. And it's all about waste. So we're teaching, when chef comes, we need to be there. Right, right. We, we're not starting on that Wednesday when he comes on next Tuesday, you know. We, we're getting up. How long it. now is it? Um, is it a time? Like how long do, does someone have to work for you before you're like, even in, in the consider in, to be considered to go to London or Stockholm or do a dinner with Massimo? I, I think it, in the attitude, you, you could be with me for three months and you can go, right? Because you, you, you're you're just exceptional, or you needed it, mm-hmm. right? And it could be you've never been nowhere. Or you, you know, it can be many different, but normally it's an eighteen months process, right? Right. And you go from station to station, and uh, you might start. You might start in the packaging room where you're actually organizing 
the vegetable coming in, where it's all waste. Nice. How do we process that? So have you had people come on board because they know you from TV and, and they they do want to be just, they want to be Marcus Samuelson, but just the chopped judge part of Marcus Samuelson? You know, and and you realize that? No, I mean, the good thing with working in Harlem is that the part of being excluded from the other part of the world, I look at as a plus. Like, we hire a lot of guys that come back from upstate. Okay. You know what I mean? They've been on the inside and they're... Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, just, just to be clear to my audience yeah. who might, like, doing a bit, you're yeah. talking about doing some time yeah. in jail, for those of you who yeah. are paying but, attention. But these are great guys, right. wonderful people, that, and cooking can be one of these things that maybe they did it when they were inside, right. but they're like, you know, no one is judging me in the kitchen. They judge me from last time service, and if I did well, you know, I'm yeah. like, I'm in. So this is a very fair, so I don't, so part of our kitchen comes from that get-up, and they're wonderful. We have very high success rate with that. I've always wanted to do, this is sort of a dream of mine, mm-hmm. and a lot of um, television networks who have turned me down in the past, I've always wanted to do that, that television show, yeah. just document, you know, Jamie Oliver did it in mm-hmm. London, where it's just, um, you know, you bring in some people, yeah. wherever, whatever their situation is, troubled youth, someone who served some time, someone who's just a career changer, and you open up a restaurant. We should collaborate on this project. Dude, Richard, like, the World Restaurant means to restore your community. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't give oh. you any gu- the guidelines. What? It doesn't mean give you any gu- the guidelines what that means. So I interpret it. It's like, let's build a village of food, mm-hmm. and let's create you know, we have a tribe of 165 staff I love this use of the and word we tribe, have, by the way uh, 4,000 customers are coming a week right and to get you know 4,200 people to constantly be on the same wave path is very difficult of course but they, we all here because of food and hospitality and we like people and we all have funky past whether you avoid taxes one year or whether you stole a car when you were 18 mm. it or whether you like hip-hop or you like Madonna, I don't give a shit. Right. You're, you're in my bar, you're in my restaurant, we're going to treat you like a king. Right. And I love that, too. That's like, it. There, is some, no. there is that sort of, especially with the way the world is right mm-hmm. now, and it, it, within my own sort of, and I hate to say my own brand, but mm-hmm. like, we need a little bit more authenticity. Yeah. You but know, I mean, you, that might mean that you have to acknowledge some things that you. But you're very good at high and low. I mean, right next to Juniper, there is the Chicken Shack, Crack Shack, yeah, Crack Shack, yeah. Crack with the egg. Yeah, but I love it, and yeah. you know, it's high energy and it's very inspirational, and it's a it's a nod to the high and low. You both are delicious, by the way. Their process of being delicious are very different. I love how you say high and low. That's exactly what yeah. it is. And, the, and you were saying to you saying to your audience, you want to watch the game and you want to eat a better. Thing here, exactly. Uh, meet me at thirteen bucks. You want to uh, wine and dine, and you want to want me want us to take you on a journey. It might cost ninety five bucks, whatever. Right. And there's a, there's like there's shoes for different occasions. There are ties. For so now you're in that world. You're yeah. so street bird. Yeah, is, absolutely. Is, is more thing. of a, a quick service sort of absolutely. place. Absolutely, very much. Like and and like where's and and uh, you sort of came. Aquavie was probably yeah. the restaurant that sort of. Maybe launched you into start. Absolutely right. I learned a lot. I, which, by the way, changed my life. Just a Thank meal you. there uh, really changed. Much. I had to go for lunch because I couldn't afford dinner. <laughs> but I mean, truly changed my life. Don't blame you. Um, I, I mean, and I remember also one time you telling me probably that same conversation that we had in Aspen. Like, yeah. hey, focus on the on the casual stuff yeah. because that's the future. What's 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 the challenge with the fine dining business model versus the casual? Well, I I think that first of all, it's just a generational change that. People want faster food now, and they want better faster food. And there are constantly we are constantly exposed to so many different things. So we all kind of a little ADD in our experiences, and you can't measure things the same way that you know. When I I remember 
fly into Japan to eat fugu, right? Ooh. Being a kid. Like today, I probably went on YouTube. It's like, all right, I want to know about fugu. <laughs> and I would probably <laughs> learn more going on YouTube, but I couldn't tell you these other things that I would know about Japan. Does it, does it get you, um, uh, does it bother you that, like, kids these days, I sound so old saying that though, but it is true, I didn't have the ability to just look up a recipe online. Yeah, and recipe, I mean, of course. We went to I mean, books, we went to libraries. Books was, uh, was like, when you got a poor book, book, you were like, mmm. When you got to with your knife, it's right. like, wow, don't talk to me. I got this knife. Yes. You know, which is like, doesn't always, you have to be careful when you say this, but yeah, like, yeah. you know what I mean? So, recipe process and recipes are so different today. So, I'm like, just because you can experience online so quickly doesn't mean, please, don't that allow you not to go for the full experience because what online experience cannot teach you is the smell is how to take the subway there as to what other things you're going to see you know you maybe went the wrong way and you picked up better street food for right example, right you're i mean the cultural part of it yes. you cannot experience until and you're actually japan, in the real world right? and, and and like i have to save for a year to go to japan sure you know i mean a yes, year yes and then like so and you live by the way because that isn't it if it's cut wrong we're talking about yeah the yeah and i live exactly right and you live but it was so, so many other things like i didn't know this restaurant was only seasonal from october to january everybody else in the room knew by the way right you had to pay all cash well that was good for me it was the only thing i had right you know what I mean? right, right, right. you know um i sat by myself you know because i went by myself you know everybody else was in groups but it changed my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and YouTube, great, but it wouldn't have changed my life necessarily. Right. So, I mean, it seems like we're of a, of a good age because we've seen sort of both sides mm -hmm. of that. Now that everything is so instant and everything's digital, what, what's, the, what's your take on just where we're at with food media in general? Well, like, I, I want to say television, but it's like television is the radio comparatively now. This is the phone, yeah, the new television. But I do think that because our experiences are so quick and instant and, and strong, Online, I think it actually gives advantage restaurants that create an experience because people want an offline experience again. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes, people want to yeah. shut down for an so hour. You, so. Exactly. So it's like, I don't think it's a four-hour shutdown, but maybe it's an hour 20. Can I talk to you for... If I tell you it's an hour, can I talk to you for one hour 30? Right. Because, you know, I'm going to give you this small cocktail in between, and I don't know what's going to get you going, but oh, by the way, you stayed with me for two hours, and you had an awesome memory. Right. right? So... I think the online experience, if you figure out the narrative and the, the, your, your bells and whistles, they're different for every every restaurant. People want to put their phone away. Right. People want to talk to one another. People want to eat delicious. I, we sense that. And maybe it's because we're in Harlem, because once people come up or once people in the neighborhood introduce a friend of them here, they're so in awe of this neighborhood and the experience of being in this neighborhood. So I don't compete with Instagram or Facebook as I see in other sometimes in other restaurants people do that they're, they're like eating and like five people on the I'm like well that's why you have to just to get those people though then you develop the app that pops up like hey there's a salt cod dish <laughs> you know you're at table 33 but there's this awesome salt cod dish wouldn't that be awesome it would be awesome like that's just, instant. Just, just hit it right right there right on. this is I'm like, I, I see you. I see you, Table 32. I love, yeah, I, I love what you said, though. Like, um, yeah, like, uh, hey, spend spend some time here, too. Yeah. Shut down. Because also, how many people are coming to Red Rooster from downtown, from Midtown, well, and that, that don't get up this, this far uptown mm -hmm. unless it's to come to your restaurant? Yeah. Well, hopefully, I would say the best get up is take the train, 
you know, a one tenth. So you have a good 20, 20 blocks to walk. Nice. And then check out, you know, flirt with the community. You know, yeah. hang out, watch the brownstones. If you come on the weekend, you're going to see the church ladies getting ready. It's like Kentucky Derby. Every Saturday. And their they're style, you know, it's a different era. It's, it's, it's Paris catwalk all the time, you know. Check to your left and your right. You're going to see one of the best street ball games you've ever seen in your life. It might be a guy on the corner that just spits, just stands there and spits yeah. like a true griot. You know, it's, you, you're utterly in uh, a, a piece right. that is America, that is New York City, and this is what I signed off to. You're in a neighborhood that is so utterly special that why would you get an Uber all the way up? 130%. You know I mean? uh, Roll up differently. My publicist, Leah, who's here, on the way up, yeah. I just kept saying, I literally said yeah. all, almost all yeah. of those things you just said. Yeah. I was like, look at that basketball yeah. court over there. The way mm. the sun's in here. Mm. It just was like, Thank yes. you for acknowledging Look at that. the brownstone. Like, yeah. those are things that I actually said. Absolutely. So, come up town. We did a little, uh, an app that people can experience Harlem in a way that you can walk through the neighborhood where I kind of give them the gems where to go to. And uh, I'm like, it's a walking tour. Yeah. You can't do this. You can barely do it on a bike. Of course, you can do it on a bike, but not too fast. Don't you know? At that moment, don't be too fast. Be a slow bike rider, right? Yeah. And then you know, you go to my auntie Marjorie, 84 years old, rocking every Sunday between three and five. She rocks her jazz parlor, where you know you pay as much as you can afford. Or if, if you can't afford it, you don't pay anything. Yeah. She might have cookies for you, but you have to be quiet because when the jazz musician plays, they just start. And you have to applaud and you have to be engaged. You know what I mean? If you don't, if you don't pay your respect, you got to go. And she tells you, no, you're not ready. You got to go. Ooh, I she's, like not, she's, not, she's not pointing out. You just don't be on the phone. Just be paid. You're in her house. 84 years old. Yeah. Haven't missed a Sunday. Now, that's not magic. That's operating on a high level of hospitality. Just think about her neighbors. Because, of course, this is a walk-up apartment. Right. And they know every Sunday between 3 and 5, don't mess with Marjorie. And there's people coming with their laundry coming through. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is humanity. Yeah. This is hospitality. That's community. Right that's there. community. I want to do that, but, I mean, it's you know crazy. I'm a tech guy. I want to do an augmented reality yes. sort of tour like that. You've kind of inspired a bunch mm. of ideas. I mean, you can do it on Tijuana. That would be crazy. The food right. stops in Tijuana. I would come with you and do it at late at night, and you to walk me through it. Oh, we're gonna do that. Oh, I mean, if you're game for that, we'll have to do it. Place, you know what? You know what? You're, thank you also for inspiring. I don't get to Tijuana or Mexico enough, and mm. I'm right there. So Dude, it's no different than a, someone who lives in Midtown New York yeah. and doesn't get uptown. But you also the other dream post that I don't think people know that San Diego has. That's like, I'm like, why are people sleeping on this? This is amazing. Is it called Conway Avenue? Conway. Oh yeah. Um. Yes. Con- it's uh. So a lot of um. A lot of global restaurants, yeah. a lot of Asian restaurants. And it's an, it's an area maybe 15 minutes outside San Diego yeah. that it's not a Chinatown. It's much more layered than that. It's Filipino, Japanese, Korean, Chinese, of course, but it's all Asian. It and reminds me of this area. I used to live in Atlanta and there's an area called Buford Highway, Buford which is Highway. the same yeah. thing. And sure. it's just all sorts of different, and uh, basically Asian, an Asian-ish all Asian. area. Yeah. And it's delicious. Yes. Like dry ramen, you name it. The, the kids are cooking. And uh, so I'm like, oh, we think about San Diego because you have Mexico right there pounding, screaming at you with incredible food. And then you have that. So it's, a, it's an interesting way to sort of juxtaposition to being like, okay. And then we're also the underdog because, you know, then we're always pointing north to L.A. and San Francisco, which get a lot more credit. So there's, I also love that. 
I yeah, think the underdog, like yeah, the yeah. underdog mentality. Of mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we can do this uptown. We can do this mm-hmm. in New York. Well, that's a, that's a we don't have to part. be on Fifth Avenue somewhere no. in Midtown. And that, that's part of that hunger game. That's my, those cooks that work for you, right. they came there for that. They didn't try to work at three other restaurants. No, I moved here for Blaze. And that gives another level of commitment of dudes and girls. Like, it's going to be like, all right, we are a band of misfits. I always tell you that. My band is always a band of misfits. Sure. They're, they're either in a hip-hop band or in a punk band. And that's the energy we rock on. That's nice. our energy. And then let's go. You know I have some like serious hip-hop roots. I don't know if I... I know that. I know okay. that. So I get one day, not today, but maybe if we want to do a little freestyle, we'll have to do that one day. Yeah, yeah. Um, Michael Marcus. White can do it. Really? Michael, you don't, that, okay. Yeah. I'm not recommending will, Michael White to do okay, it. I'm going to say. He doesn't want to get really drunk. Really? Okay, I was going to say, and, I'll battle him. Yeah, you should, <laughs> and you will win. But Michael is so clear, like, he's good at it. So I always tell him... That was great. Right. So, like, on off the top of his head, or is he? He's, yeah. Has he written some of this? Oh no! I, it definitely. He he just knows all the Wu Tang lyrics. He just lo- knows a lot of hip hop, and you know, it's it's always so funny because you know, like, he comes off of like a super sophisticated dish, sure. and then it's like, you know, you want to spit, Marcus? I'm like, no, no, I don't want to spit. Nice. You know, in my last cookbook, I have a dish called Wu Tang Clams. Yes, I know that, of course. Ain't nothing to shock with. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Funny, my chef Such Ed. A dad joke. It's so it's so funny because the chef, chef Ed that works with me, he is. We do this full Wu Tang dinners, right? Right. He goes all in, and it's always with. I mean, one of the one of my friends, Jean, uh, she works at the Apollo. She was a Wu Tang's manager, right? When she was straight out of college, and right. she always says. There's nothing you can throw at me. Yeah. I went through business and grad school all in one in people management because I managed 30 dudes from uh, Staten Island. <laughs> right. Imagine yeah. like you booking the, uh, the recording studio and Older right. the Bastard. Nice. Uh, and uh, Reza I, I, show I, up I know, at the same It's time. funny because I always also, I used to uh, very much say like, yeah, we're kind of like Wu-Tang Clan. Yes. We're all individual nice. artists. All yes. I want to do is get you on too. Like yes. when we're together, we're Wu-Tang. Nice. But like, hey, you're my sous chef now. Yeah. One day I want you to be yeah. Raekwon or the genie, whatever it is. I want you awesome. to go do your thing. Now, Wooten has mad, like in the cooking industry, I just feel like, even yesterday in Newark, we were talking about Wooten and I was like, you know. Well, we're going to have to collab. We're going to have to do some sort of hip hop yeah. dinner. My also favorite dish is, um, you know, in honor of Biggie, is just to do uh, T-bone steak with cheese egg and lunch. It's great. <laughs> but now I'm just trying to show off for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Marcus you, you can go with Tribe, tribe Called Quest. We can go all day Always. long. We can go too. all day long. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, near the end of the podcast, we like to play a couple of games. Are you down to just play one yeah, quick yeah, little yeah. game? Okay. Oh, well. Yeah. Okay, so this game for you is a new one. We've not played this with anyone. Yeah. But the game's called Is It? <laughs> and the questions are, is it? A Brazilian footballer, yeah, so a soccer star, uh, an avant-garde European restaurant, yeah, or a model, in honor of your wife who's a model, yeah, yeah. Right? Okay, so I'm going to give you the name, or yeah. Something you got to tell me, European restaurant. That's great. That's great. Supermodel. They can all be the same. Or Brazilian footballer. Yeah, yeah. yeah all right, here great. we go. And don't look over here. Uh, first one is Dida. Dida. Yeah. So Dida was a Brazilian soccer uh, soccer star. Oh, you just nailed it. One for one, Marcus Samuelson uh, is uh, on the record here. thousand percent. Okay, here we go. The next one. La Gazzetta. La, La Gazzetta, Gazzetta is an Italian newspaper that uh, is like the biggest, the biggest uh, sports paper in Italy. Right. But is it also... Okay, so it's, is and, it a restaurant or a footballer? It, it definitely is it also a restaurant. A, restaurant. It's a restaurant. Yeah, wow, yeah. you're really good at yeah. this game. And La Gazzetta, the, the core of why it's called La Gazzetta yeah. is because the most iconic... 
paper in Europe in terms of sports. It's called La Gazzetta di Sporto, and it comes out every day. And it's pink. Right. Okay. So what? So not only are you like answering the questions, you're I'm telling Eurotrash. us. Exactly. I'm Eurotrash. Okay. So Here's one. That. Next one. Is it a supermodel, a restaurant, or a footballer? <laughs> Franzen. Fran. Am I no? So Francine is a yeah, restaurant Francine. in Francine. Stockholm. Yes, yes, yes it's yes. a restaurant. Look at that name. Okay, my Bjorn is his first name. My 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 mispronunciation. No, no, Bjorn is got it. You got it right. Okay, here we go. Uh, this is another one. Uh, Tazon. Tazon. Is it a footballer? Uh, a restaurant uh, or no? Tyson was a model. He's a model. Tyson is a great model. No, this is Tazon. Not Tyson, Tyson, but that you're right. He is a model. Uh, Tazon. Okay. Um, Footballer or a restaurant? I would say footballer. He is a footballer. Uh, Marcus Samuelson, you're just crushing this game. Okay, here we go. Here's one. Uh, is it a supermodel, a restaurant, or a footballer? <laughs> Doutzen. Doutzen. D-A-U-T-Z-E-N. T? Footballer, restaurant. Well, give me the spelling on the name, yeah? D-A-U-T-Z-E-N. You know what, I'm just going to go with model, because we haven't said model in a minute. No one has yeah. gone a thousand percent, five for five. It's a model. Two more. Two yes, more. And we're going to go, play it Now I just want to know if you can, yeah. finish, the, if yeah. you can finish the round. We're going Usually to we stop. We're going to Usually we stop. Okay, here we go. Bahati. Bahati. B-E-H-A-T-I. Restaurant. Supermodel or fancy European restaurant. Okay. Marcus Samuelson is batting a thousand percent right if, now. I'm just going to say, if it would be a model, he, she would be from Israel. Uh, so that would be... Such a wise man. He's like breaking it down. Yeah, I've got to break it down. I'm, good I'm good more, you're not on the shot clock. Yeah, so then okay. I would say, because it's such a... I would say then, just because of that, it's a restaurant. It's a mom. She's a mom. She's a mom. And Leah came up with that. Oh my one. god, that's good. That's You're batting nine hundred. So I was, I was, I started to doubt. I had it. You had it. You had it. Uh, last one, Mugatu. Mugatu. Uh, what was what, supermodel restaurant or footballer? Mugatu. Uh, Mugatu restaurant. Mugatu is actually Will Ferrell's character from Zoolander. So neither of the three. That was a trick question. You don't get credit. You batted 975. Oh, I love it. You'd this be in the so Hall of Fame in baseball. Dude, yeah. that was a fun game. Ladies, also, you're really competitive. Amazing. Last thing we do. Yes, I am competitive. Yes, you're competitive. Uh, last thing is one thing in the world or mm. in your world, the world yeah. in general, whatever, that you would 86. It's 86. One thing that you're just over with. Something that you're done with, and uh, it can be again. It could be as personal as you'd like it to be. It could be in the food world, the, the media world. Uh, what does Marcus Samuelson want to eighty six? Um, I think exclusivity. You know, I mean, I just think that is is something that is a beholder of the person versus. You know, I come up in an era where if you didn't have the right jacket, you weren't welcome in my restaurant. I'm mm -hmm. like. Who, who were we thinking? Who came up with those rules? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, you didn't have tie on. You had an ugly tie on, but you were welcome. But you didn't. Have, you had like jeans and t-shirt and really nice jeans and t-shirt, and you were not welcome. So I think a lot of things come. My restaurant today come from that. That we're not going to uh, say exclude people. We're going to include people.
I think that's just so well said. Dude, thank you so much for thank hanging out with us, man. This is amazing. I mean, this is something that's been long coming. We've been trying to hunt Fun. you down. We finally found you. Also, yeah. you didn't need to give us the delicious food. Of course. How are we going to do uh, it? Gonna, the mac and greens yeah. are coming with yes. you to JFK. I'm about to jump nice. on a plane. I know you have a thousand yeah. things to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dude, thank you so much. Thank you're, you. You're man. an absolute so hero to respect. so many people, myself included. And uh, we'll do it again, but next one okay. we're going to do from your home closet. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or PodcastOne.com. Hey guys, it's me, Corinne. I got a new podcast on Podcast One called So Random with me, Corinne. Tune in for the good, the bad, the ugly, and even embarrassing. Peen your pants convos all the way. Unfiltered, oh yeah. Download new episodes every Thursday at podcastone.com, the new Podcast One app, or subscribe at Apple Podcasts.